This is the end of our life group study uh, today. If you if you never got in one of the life groups, I'm sorry. I think most of us had a pretty good time in our groups. Uh, so uh, we're going to close it down. As a, uh, you know, we had seven realities of chapter five that deal with experiencing God, and the one we're going to close out with today, I think, is really the most important even though they're all important, uh, to what it means to have an experience with God. And that is uh, faith is required, absolutely, if you're going to experience the experience that God wants you to have. You know, that's what we're talking about, right? Experiencing God. So how do we do that? God has something he wants to do with us and through us, that experience. And faith is one of the key elements to be able to take advantage of it. So that's what we're looking at today, uh, quickly. You know, someone penned it, uh, says whenever God puts a calling on your life, and that's what we're talking about, right? Experiencing God, find out what God wants to do with you as an individual, with us as a church, that's a calling. When God puts that calling on your life, He's already factored in our stupidity. So you can't ever say, well, God doesn't really, if He's telling me to do this, you know, I, I can't do it. He's already factored that in. He knows your limitations. Uh, and uh, he knows that. And God doesn't make a mistake. Uh, but that's what we're looking at. I believe faith, and we're going to see in the life of Abraham, how faith is the, uh, I think, is the key to, number one, experiencing God and then carrying through, following through with that experience so God's a task that he wants to use us for is accomplished. Uh, and faith is uh, the element. Many people insist on seeing some kind of sign before they're willing to step out and get involved in what God wants to do. Well, God, you just got to show me a sign and then I might do it. Uh, that's not the way it goes. And a lot of us, well, I just got to know and God, you got to show me. You know, I'm like, uh, I, I got to have a fleece. You got, to, you got to prove it to me first. You, just, you won't get God's experience that way uh, because that's not showing any faith. That's not what it is. In essence, what you're saying is, God, you prove to me this first, and then I'll do what you want me to do. He says, I'm not interested in that. You know, he was like a great missionary uh, to Africa. You know, he was over there for a long time by himself and, you know, cutting the pathways through the jungles. And they said, uh, well, you know, as soon as you get all the roads made, you call us and we'll come help you. He said, I don't need anybody to come after I've already cut the road. I need somebody to come cut the road. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for somebody who said, okay, I'm ready. Now tell me what to do. Most of us want, well, God, i got to figure it out on a calculator first. I mean, that's the way we operate. That's what we want. We want a sign. When Moses stood before the burning bush, and received God's invitation to join him in his great work, God promised that he would affirm it after the work was done. Did you hear that? After the work was done. This is what he does. This will be the sign to you that I have sent you. Not Moses. He's already have to have gone and accomplished the task, and then he gets the sign. That I have sent you, when you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. You want a sign? When you're done with the task, I'll give you the sign. How about that? 
What is that? Boy, that's faith. I don't know how this is going to work. God, you're calling me to do this. How's this going to work? And, you know, he starts complaining. Well, my goodness, I can't speak. And, you know, don't ever make excuses like that. Because the excuse that he made and then God fulfilled it, it was a curse to Moses. His own brother Aaron. He said, I can't speak. Well, I'll get you a mouthpiece. And his mouthpiece was Aaron. What did Aaron cost him? Remember the golden calf? Oh, so be careful. If God says, I'm going to send you, he's going to get you ready. And he knows all your limitations already. God said, Moses, you obey and then I'll deliver Israel through you. And you will come to know me as your deliverer afterwards. And you will stand on this mountain and you will worship me. Well, God, I just, you got to prove to me first before I'm going to do anything. Then God says, then you won't do anything. Why? Because you don't have enough faith to trust me. That's not the whole, if you really want to experience God, faith is the issue. It is the, the main issue. That's what we're going to see in the life of Abraham. His affirmation that he had sent Moses would come after he obeyed, not before. All of us, it's easy to do something when God writes it up there in the sky, right? Well, no, I shouldn't say that. A lot of people see it written in the sky and still don't do it. You know, I say that quite often. People say, you wouldn't go to Atlanta? I said, no, sir. Not unless God wrote it up there in color in the sky. That would be the only way I would ever move to Atlanta. That would be the only way. It'd have to be that clear. You know, that's the way it works. And, but then sometimes even God does that and people still not obedient. All right. The affirmation comes after the obedience. Do you want to do what God said? Then you got to make that decision up front for God to have you go through that experience. And then in that experience of obeying him and him accomplishing what he wants, you have the experience with God. It's the whole process. It's not just one little part. When Jesus invited Peter to get out of the boat, remember? To walk on the water. He never told him that he would never sink. He didn't. He just said, come on. He didn't know he was going to stand on the water till what? Till he got out. There was no affirmation before. All he heard was Jesus said, come. That's what he says to us. Come, trust me. He said, come. And he wouldn't know if he could walk on the water unless he got out of the boat. Most of us want to say, God, show us where the stumps are first, and then we'll get out. Right? But we say we have faith. We just don't live like we have faith. You know, we're inconsistent. <laughs> Experiencing God is faith-based. That's what that means. You've got to have faith in it, or you will never experience what God wants you to experience, ever. In Genesis 22, you remember uh, he calls, his name is Abram first, and then he changes it to Abraham. When he, when he calls Abram, Abram was a pagan in the Ur of the Chaldees, and he called Abram and his family out, and then he called Abram to separate from his own family and go to a place where I'll show you. He didn't even know where it was to be yet. He's showing faith already. He says, okay. So that's what you have in 22. And it came to pass after these things, he's separated. He's going to this land that God did prove Abraham and said unto him. And Abraham said to him, here am I. And he said, take now thy son, thy only son, whom you love, Isaac, and get thee into the land of Moriah. 
Now, Moriah is where the Temple Mount is. It's where the next temple will be whenever Jesus comes back. It's the same. That's why Israel is the center of the world. It's always been and always will be till all this thing is finished. Isaac was the promised son of God's special doing because how old was his mom when she had him? 75. How old was his dad? 100. He was a miracle child. You know, that's who he was. And God has promised him already all these things he's going to do through Isaac. So it's a big deal when he says, go kill him. What are you saying? That's what we're going to look at real, real quick. Whom you love, even Isaac, and get into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you. He's telling him to kill his son. Hmm. And the angel, and this is afterwards. We'll put them back together in just a moment. It says, And the angel of Jehovah called unto Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, said Jehovah, because you have done this thing, and you have not withheld your son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars are in the heavens, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you obeyed my voice. Wow. How about that? You're going to see in just a moment, everything he was about was tied up in this commitment. All of his future, he was about to throw out the window to obey God. That's who Isaac was for him. He reads the place. This is a quote from um, Oswald Chambers. He says, Abraham at this point has reached a place where he is in touch with the very nature of God. He understands now the reality of God. And he asked this question, is our goal, God, at any cost, down any road? What you willing to give up? Hmm? That's what he's asking. At any cost, by any road, means nothing self-chosen in the way that brings, us, brings God uh, the goal. You don't get to choose. Well, God, I'll, I'll do your will if you'll let me go over here. I'm not going to Africa, but if I can go somewhere else, I'll go. You don't get to choose. That's, that's what he's saying. There's no possibility of questioning when God speaks. If he speaks to his own nature in me, prompt obedience is the only result. Obedience. When Jesus said, come, I'm supposed to simply come. When he says, let go, I'm supposed to just let go. But that's it. That's what it is. The whole working out is in the evidence that the nature of God is in me. If I have Christ's spirit living inside of me, those two could go together, and that's what comes out. God's revelation of himself to me is determined by my character, not by God's character. You know, in this case, with Abram as well as Job, by the discipline of obedience, we get to the place where Abraham was, and we see who God is. It's a tough place to get to, though, because huh? it costs. And most of us just don't want to pay the price. We never have a real God until we have come face to face with him in Jesus Christ. 
we have an advantage over Abraham. We have a lot of history now behind us that shows us what God has done, even Abraham's life. But we have Jesus, if we've trusted him, the Holy Spirit's living inside of us. So we do have an advantage. We have less of an issue. We have a lot of reason that God's going to hold us more accountable than he held them accountable, even though he's going to hold them accountable. Why? Because we have so much more to go on now than they did. Then we know that in all the world, my God, there is none but thee. The promises of God are of no value unto us until by obedience we understand that. And you don't learn it until you are obedient. That's the way it goes. We read some things in the Bible three or four hundred times. And then after we've decided to obey something that we've read all those times, boy, it comes alive. Why? Because you've been obedient. That experience comes together. That's just what the whole thing is about. It takes faith to experience the experience. Do you really want to experience the God, uh, what the experience God has for you? It's going to take faith and obedience. Faith being the key. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. How many air, air, air pilots in here? Just one? Donnie, is he the only one? What if I build a plane and it's never been tested? Are you willing to go fly it? Hello? I, ain't, I wouldn't even want to do that. I would have hired somebody else to test it, not me. Right? How many jets? We, we call them test pilots. Why? Something's been done. Someone needs to test it to see if it's going to work. What do we need to do to fix it? If you can't test it, how do you know it's real? You know, God is testing Abraham to help Abraham see God knows. Remember Job? You know what the devil said? Oh, I'll do this, and he'll curse you in his face. He said, no, I know him. You can do everything you want to except kill him. He's not going to do it. I know who he is. It's not that God didn't know what Abraham's going to do. Abraham needs to learn to stand. You know what that means? Stand. It means do the right thing. That's, that's what the call is. How would you like to fly on an airplane that's never been tested or proved? We don't, you know, that's the first thing we want to know. Well, give me the background on this thing. You start to hire somebody, boy, you better do this. Tell me something about this person. Why? I want to know something about them before I hire them. Same, same concept. I mean, you want to know. If you can't test it, can you trust it? That's what God's doing. We don't want to be the first one to try anything, right? Well, I'm not going to do it. I remember years ago, uh, Miss Nude America had become saved. And uh, the pastors at First Baptist Jacksonville were Homer Lindsay and Jerry Vines. And they, they had something to do with it. But they didn't really, really, really want to be the ones to step out with that. So they called Bailey Smith and said, we want you to start this thing. We want to see if it works. We don't want to test it. We want you to test it. So he did. They were afraid. Or what? The repercussion? Uh, that's where we are. We don't want to be the first one usually to try anything, right? If, I'm talking about life and death. I'm not talking about just something that's not going to cost you anything. I'm talking about something that's going to cost you anything. Or are you going to be the one? No, I want to know if somebody else has already proved this thing. What's the, what's, the, what's the ratings on it? You know, what's those little stars on it? That really doesn't mean anything. You know that, right? Because a lot of those people that rate that stuff, they don't have a clue what they're talking about to start with. Uh, unfortunately. 
God did not tempt Abraham to do something that was wrong. God doesn't tempt us. Well, God's tempting me. No, he's not. Remember what James said? You're tempted when you're drawn away by your own lust. It's your problem to start with. It's not God's problem. He's not tempting Abraham to do something bad. No, no. If God were to tempt us, nobody would make it. Why? We just couldn't. He's not tempting us. God tests or tempts no man with evil, and neither can God be tempted, it says, or tested. So what does it mean? It means that God was putting Abraham to the test to see if Abraham is going to stand. Abraham needs to see this. Why? One of the reasons, let's unfold it, I think. The devil tempts us to do wrong in order to make us stumble. That's his whole reason. God tests us so that we can stand. You know, sometimes that's what you got to do. Remember that old song? When you've done everything you can to stand, just stand. You ever been out there by yourself? I mean, by yourself. And you're doing the right thing and everybody's attacking you and you are right by yourself. And you said, nope. I'm in it. This is it. I'm going to stand. It costs a lot. I've been there too many times. It costs if you're going to make that decision. That's exactly what he's talking about. And what God is doing to Abraham is not trying to get him to stumble, but to see him see himself stand because he has a decision to make. I mean, a serious decision. And he's putting his faith to the test. He remembers. Can you remember? Do you remember the story? Isaac is a promised miracle child. Okay? 75-year-old mama, 100-year-old dad, a miracle child. He is going to be the one God has already told him. Through Isaac, I am going to bless you and the rest of the world. Okay? Through Isaac. That's it. Can you remember? Remember, he's told Isaac, oh, you know, did you know you're the miracle child? You know you're special? You know God brought you to us? You're the one by which the rest of the world is going to be blessed? When you've already told your son all that and now this is going to happen or you're thinking through it, what, what are you dealing with? Boy, it's tough. You know all these things. He tells him that God has made a covenant with him and made a contract with him, and he's going to do these things. Isaac knows all this stuff. He does. And he says, what's he going to say now? And I said, we're fitting to go up here and offer our sacrifice. And Isaac has enough sense to know, man, I know what a sacrifice is. We got the wood and we got the knife, and where's the, where's the animal? And what did he say? God's going to provide his own. That's what he said. What's he going to think? What's he going to think when I blindfold him? What's he going to think when I have the knife over his head and I'm about to stick it in his throat? What's he going to think then? We're talking about serious stuff. Most of us don't face that. We have these little nonsense things that we don't even deal with. I'm talking about serious faith. Right. That's what this is. What will it look like being his eyes when I'm about to kill him? The most important thing in his life, all of his future, God's asking him to lay it on the line. That's what he's asking. What would it be like to place a knife in his bosom? What would his last words be for his own dad to kill him? Well, I don't even want to think about that. You ought to. That's what we're talking about. The most important thing in your life is what God wants. Not second place. He wants the most important thing in your life, your job, your spouse, your children. He wants him over all of that. That's what he's asking. If you want to experience God, 
If you're not willing to count that cost, don't talk about experiencing God because you're not going to get it. Abram experienced God. Ooh, it was tough, though. <laughs> they always are, right? Faith is tested by the amount of its devotion. Why did God say to Abraham, take your son? Speculating here a little bit. Why? Could it be he's putting Isaac in front of God? Oh, he's the promise. He's my whole future. He's everything there's going to be about. He's my special child. He's become to love Isaac more than he has God. And God said, okay, lay it out there for me. You take. It's like Jesus told the rich young ruler, remember? He said, you really want to do the right thing? Well, go sell everything you got. His money was more important than obeying God, so he turned and didn't do that. And Jesus didn't go after him. He didn't. The danger of loving Isaac more than the love of God. What do you put in front of God? You're playing? What do you play at? There's a lot of people play. Does it always come in front of God? Golf, hunting, fishing, car racing? I don't know what else. Anything you want to put in there. Oh, well, God understands. No, he doesn't. He expects. He said, is Isaac more important than me? Let's see. Let's see if he is. Boy, that's what it was. He was in danger of loving the gift more than God the giver. That was Natalie Grant's song, you remember? I want to make sure that I don't put what God has done for me in front of God himself. And sometimes when God does things, we just kind of forget he's behind it doing it. All the promises he made. God will never willingly take second place to anything in your life if you really want to experience him. Spouse, children, job, nothing. Nothing. So if you're not experiencing God in a way that you really want to, you might start checking those things off. Because, we, oh no, I love God more than all those Weigh it. Weigh it and see how that comes in front of God and what God wants you to do, and then you can be honest. He just stuck it out there in front of me. He said, go kill your son. Let's see how, what's the most important thing. Is Isaac more important, or are you obeying me more important? He does not want a place in our life that's second place. He wants preeminence, first place. He goes above everything. Does God want us to kill our children? I, no. He wants us to love our sons? Yeah, but he wants God to be first, not your son or not your daughter. That's what, that's what the issue is. He's not saying don't love your children. Does he have any preeminence in your life? Or is it always, well, God, you know, I'll do this. If I don't have anything else going on. I remember Debbie and I were uh, using uh, or leading our, our youth at church, and we put on this little play for the association one time, and some other churches heard about it, and they wanted us to come over there, and there was quite a few people, there were 10 or 12 youth, and they all had a little part to play. And So we were getting ready to go, and this one guy, he's about 15, 16. I said, you going to go with us? We need to know. Well, if I don't have anything else to do, I said, oh, no, sir. You either you go or you not. We, there ain't none of this, if I got anything else to do, if you got something else to do, go. We want to know now. That's kind of what we do. Well, if, you know, if the fish aren't biting, I might go. You know, if there's not a car race, you know, I'd really, God really wants me to do this. And I don't care what you put there. Be sewing, going to the mall, whatever ladies do, I don't know. I don't know. It's just whatever you put in place of it. 
whatever it is. It can be playing music. You know, it can be anything that can come in front of it. That's what he says. Is that first place over God? And you can always tell by when you have to make a choice, which one of those you go with. It's always there. You can lie all you want to, but the choices will show it. That's exactly what it did. It showed it. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. No matter what God has given you and no matter what God has done for you, do we really love God more than the things he's done for us? I gave you Isaac. You couldn't have a child, a promised seed. He's going to be a blessing to the world. I gave you him. Do you love him more than you love me? That's the test. Did Abraham experience God? You better believe he did. Did he lay it on a line? Yes, he did. Because in a moment we'll see, it doesn't say he was willing. He did. It didn't say he was just willing to sacrifice. He got up the next morning and went. Oh, well, I'm willing to do that. And then we start, well, let's hurry up. We're already out of time. Good night. Where did we go? What takes first place? God understands, right? Not, not necessarily. <laughs> no, he doesn't. It's tested by the worth of the sacrifice. What was that going to cost him? His whole future. Everything was tied up in Isaac. All the promises God had made him was tied up in that boy. So when he kills him, all of his future is gone. No bank account, no place to live. Everything, by and large, if we would put our future in it, it would cost us everything. That's what he's sacrificing. You willing to do that? Oh, I ain't willing to do that. Then you really don't want to experience God. You know, because that's what God takes us sometimes, to really have that experience. He might, not, he might not tell you to kill your child. He may tell you to get out of your house, go somewhere else, get another job. I don't know. But whatever it is, it would be kind of what be the, the most important thing in our life. He was sacrificing his future. Huh. Boy, God, don't ask me to do that. Why? You know? Huh. I will give you a great name. It's coming through Isaac. You ever stop and thought about that? His whole future was on the line because it was all promised through the promised child, Isaac. That's what it was. It's tested by the timing. Well, God, you know, I'm going to think about it. Let me mull over this for a couple years. And then I might decide whether I'm going to do it or not. Right? Isn't that what we say? As soon as the command was given, says the next morning, he got up, got Isaac, loaded his donkeys, took the two servants, and here they go. No consultation. No mulling over. God said do this. We need to go do it. <laughs> you know, that's one thing I love about our church. When we need to make a decision, we don't take four months to do it. A lot of times four months is too late. And uh, just kind of the way we've been from day one, we make decisions pretty quick. We've never made any bad ones. Not that we won't make some bad ones. But by the time the need is met, some people are still talking about it. It says he got up the next morning. When God tells you something, you say, I'm going to check this out. I'll think about this a while. And then two or three years later, ten years later, well, I know God told me to do this ten years ago, but I didn't do it then. I've had that quite a few times. Well, you know, God called me to preach ten years ago, and I knew it, but, you know, I, I, no, I didn't ever did do it. It says he got up the next morning. He rose up in the morning, and he rose up, and he went his way. 
And Abram rose early in the morning and moving saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son. No hesitation, no consultation, just simply God said, go, I'm going. Now, this whole study, as we've been looking at how we make sure of that, we're studying God's word, we're praying by the Holy Spirit, we're counseling with some other people. All these factors help us understand clearly this is God's call. Abram didn't have all that. All Abraham was God's word because he didn't have all that around him like we have. But once it's clear that's what you're supposed to do, are you going to still wait four or five months? Or are you going to go do it? That's, you know, that's where it is. Well, we just got to make sure. Let's calculate. If I do this, man, I might lose my job here. I might lose this money over here. And so you don't do anything. Why? You know, he went. That's it. He just left. Obedience is the greatest proof of devotion in the means of sacrifice. Procrastination is a form of sin. Why? Putting off obedience is the same thing as what? Disobedience. If God tells you to do it. We must, we must, we must obey. Instant. When you call your dog and he's running toward the highway, do you want him to stop or you want him to just keep running on around until he decides to stop? Hello? You want him to stop. That's why then you got to zing him with the shock collar because he doesn't understand yet. You know, we didn't have those things in the early days. We just had to beat him. You know, if you want to keep him alive, then you had to decide, how am I going to do that? God wants you to react. Boom. If you know it, do it. That's exactly what he did. Do we have faith to lay the dearest thing in our life down? Your spouse, your child, your job, your comfort. Oh, well, God would never ask me. Why wouldn't he ask you? How are you better than anybody else? How am I better than anybody else? Not. We're not better than anybody else. You know, we're not. Do we have faith to sacrifice at any cost? When you know that's what God wants you to do. Oh, I want to experience God. Okay, get ready. If you really want to have that experience, go back through what Abraham went through. Boy, it's, it's cost a lot. He goes on, and you know the end of the story, right? It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, when he was tested, did he offer up Isaac? He said, okay, that's what you want me to do. It doesn't say he was just willing. It says he did it. And then God spared him. Look at, look at that line there. Abraham knew the moment he left that morning, Isaac was already dead. Mm. He's already decided, hey, he's, that's, he didn't know God was going to deliver that way. He didn't know that. Scripture didn't tell us that. He saw Isaac is dead when they're leaving that morning. You ever done that before? Huh? Okay, God, this is where you're going. We're not going back. We're not going back. That costs when you start doing that kind of stuff. Been there a couple of times. It does cost. You don't look back. You know, you say, okay, God, we're doing this regardless of what it costs us, what we have to give up. That's what he did. He's as good as dead when they left. That's exactly what he was. He was offering him up, and he was done. His future, everything, it was gone. What's he going to tell Sarah when he gets back home? Where's Isaac? Well, I killed him. How about that one? You think she's going to understand that one? How about everybody else? Where's Isaac? Well, you know, he killed him. 
Nobody's going to understand. When God tells you to do something, don't wait for everybody to understand. Your family's not going to understand. A lot of times, other believers won't understand. What are they, you just go with it. Why? If you're sure God wants you to do that. You, you don't have to wait. Nobody's going to understand. They don't have to understand. The only people who have to understand is you and God. You know, it's better if your spouse understands. But they don't always. I can't name on one hand all the guys that I went to seminary and Bible school with whose wives were not in the thing with them, so they divorced and left the ministry. We don't want that. You, know, you need to figure that one out, guys. You know, I don't think God's going to call you into ministry to divorce your wife. So you need to make sure you're hearing the right thing and then wait until God speaks to her to where she sees it. Because God is asking family first, ministry second. That's the way that works. And then everything else comes after that. But a lot of times, anyone outside of both of you, they're never going to get it. And that's okay. You don't worry about that. Your own family won't get it. What's he going to tell everybody? Huh. You, they don't understand. Let's read the verse and then we'll be done. And Abram stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham. He said, Here I am. Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that you fear me. Seeing thou hast not withheld the most important thing in your life from me. He stood. So what would God do with him the rest of his life? Oh, Abraham made some mistakes. Believe me, he was a habitual liar. You know that, right? He only lied to kings. But he was a liar because he was afraid. He shows what faith is here, but he can't, fa he can't trust God to take care of his wife when he goes into these places that he shouldn't even been in anyway. So what do you expect, you know? Do we really want to experience the experience God has for us? It's going to cost you. And you're going to have to exercise faith first, or you're never going to see it. You can count that cost first. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow, you're patient with us. Why? Thank you that you want to involve us and what you're doing, and you want us to have that experience to know you. Father, we thank you. Help us submit our, our life to you completely. Use us for your glory. Help us be obedient so that people's lives will be changed and you'll be glorified. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.